Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn DeWire and this is Secret Societies, Communism and Coal. Life in the Castle Comer Colliery, Part 1. This show is the first of a four-part mini-series that opens the lid on a forgotten chapter of our history. The incredible story of one of Ireland's few mining communities, Castle Comer in North Kilkenny. This is a gripping history that lasted three centuries, pitting coal miners in North Kilkenny against their local landlords, the Wandesford family. This struggle, which came to an end in the 1960s, was one provoked out of the often unbelievable conditions in which the miners lived and all too often died. Laced with brutal killings, abductions and much more, this story is set to the backdrop of some of the most fascinating events in Irish history, the famine, the land war and the war of independence. Indeed, even events in world history, not least among them the Russian Revolution of 1917, influenced life in this isolated coalfield. This episode begins by setting the scene for the show and indeed the series by taking a journey into the gruelling conditions in coal mines as they were about 200 years ago. It goes a long way to explain why the people of Castlecomer formed violent secret societies as we shall see in this episode all the way through to why communism gained currency there in the early 20th century. So to begin we look at what life was like in a mine in the 18th century. The miner, or colliers as they were known, began their working day when they were lowered down a vertical shaft into a dark, shadowy mine. There was little or no machinery used in the 18th or early 19th centuries, so the creaking of a hand-operated winching system was the only sound that echoed through the darkness below. Once at the bottom of the shaft, they were surrounded by perpetual disconcerting darkness, The only source of light came from candles which were consumed by the surrounding abyss. Straining to see in these conditions, the colliers would often find themselves kneeling or lying in freezing water all day using picks in awkward, constrained angles. Coal dust filled the dank, dark air. As well as the colliers who chipped away at the coal seam, there were others who worked in this subterranean world that had what was arguably an even more difficult task 
These were the carters. It was their job to haul the coal back to the bottom of the shaft so it could be hoisted to the surface. This was all done by back-breaking labour. In the 18th and early 19th century, there was no rail system in the mines as there would later be. Instead, these men, the carters, strapped a large leather belt around their waist. This was then chained to a sled loaded with coal. With coal flakes and stone digging into their palms and knees, they hauled the sled along the mine shaft, all the time moving in what was near total darkness. Difficult as these conditions were, these don't even begin to reveal the actual dangers involved in mining. As the colliers followed the seam, they enlarged the size of the mine in which they worked. While each passing day did provide more space and freedom of movement, the mine became ever more unstable, which only increased the likelihood of collapse. If this happened, it could mean death. Health and safety were non-existent. Although there was a crew above ground operating a winching system and perhaps others sorting through coal, there was little hope of a rescue. Even though these early mines were never very deep, the colliers would still find themselves trapped with up to 20 metres of rock between them and the surface. In the lucky scenario of maybe just a partial collapse, colliers who suffered injuries where bones were crushed could find themselves maimed and injured for life. Prior to the 20th century, there was very little access to doctors whose skills in any case were limited. Crushed bones could often not be repaired and it left the miner permanently wounded and from there on were dependent on their families for the rest of their days. While their working conditions were abysmal, the pay the miners received was almost unbelievable. Even as late as the 18th century, that's the century that ended in 1799, the Castlecomer colliers were not paid in money. Instead, they lived like medieval serfs, where each collier received a house and about four acres of land where they and their family could grow potatoes and keep an animal or two. They also received a supply of a substance called column, a byproduct of the mining process, a poor substitute for actual coal. It was in these conditions that generation after generation of families in Castlecomer County Kilkenny worked, lived and all too often died. While this could drive anyone to despair, mining in Castlecomer led to tension and inevitable violence from several other factors as well. These included the side effects of mining and indeed who the mine owners were, as we shall see next. Before the start of mining, the Castlecomer region had long been regarded as a kind of an ungovernable, isolated corner of North Kilkenny, somewhat forgotten by the government administration in Dublin. Then, pretty suddenly, in the 17th century, it was opened up by the mining process. While much of the coal was sold locally, some was hauled over the hills to the east of the town on horse and cart to Lachlan Bridge. There, a fortified yard and jetty had been built and the coal was easily shipped down the Barrow River to the port of Waterford. Through this process, Castlecomer was increasingly being drawn into a wider world where the Industrial Revolution was changing life in ways unimaginable previously. In Castlecomer, this meant uncertainty and change. Events in far-flung places, particularly the international price of coal, now became an important factor of life. This sense of change was underscored by the mine owners, who, if anything, served to increase tensions in the area given their origins. 
Most of the mines in Castle Comer were owned by the Wandesford family, who were the major landlord in northeast Kilkenny, with around 20,000 acres of land. They, however, were seen by many as intruders to the area. The Wandesfords had only arrived from Yorkshire, England in the 1630s, and in the following decades they took the land from the native O'Brennans, who had been living there probably for about a thousand years. Many of their descendants now worked in the collieries. The resentment this created was remembered for centuries. Together with the dire working conditions, the overall change being ushered in through the mining process, revolt and social upheaval in Castlecomer was inevitable. Unsurprisingly, opposition to the Wandesford family and their mining operations was almost as old as the mines themselves. Some of the resistance, initially at least, was relatively passive. In 1746, one of the Wandersford's tenants, a Daniel Flynn, refused to pay rent because coal mining was destroying the land he leased. This wasn't that unusual. When one pit became too dangerous, collapsed or flooded, the Wandersford's simply sank a new one to exploit the same seam. Little regard was paid for the impact this had on tenant farmers like Daniel Flynn, who could find what was once a field ruined by the presence of spoil heaps, mining operations or coal roads that linked the mines. Indeed, over time, something of a lunar landscape emerged in the hills around Castlecomer. While Daniel Flynn refused to pay his rent to the Wandersfords, hitting the landlord where it hurt, the coalfield also witnessed more robust opposition as well. In one of the earliest accounts from the Castlecomer coalfield, dating to 1746, a visitor, Lullum Batewell, recorded the people of the mining district of Gartine, which is just outside Castlecomer, were a rebellious and ungovernable sort of people. Indeed, when Batewell visited that district, he encountered two rebellious families, the Booth and Wilsons, who had refused to pay rents. Why exactly is not clear. When Wandersford agents seized their cattle, they, as Batewell said, would rise in rebellion and come in in a body to Castlecomer to break open the pound. Indeed, Batewell likened these families around Castlecomer to the Highland clans of Scotland, who were causing untold trouble around this time. This rebelliousness in the coalfield was also spurred on in the 18th century by the fact that the Wandersford family moved from Castlecomer and took up residence in England. They then became what were known as absentee landlords with little direct involvement in their estates and mines in Ireland. This increasingly led to a situation where mismanagement increased and revenues declined and in the 1750s they took measures to improve and secure their income from their interests in Castlecomer. In order to do this, the Wandersfords instituted a new system of overseers in the 1750s, which proved disastrous. Known as the middleman system, this saw the Wandersfords raise up wealthier members of Castlecomer society to a position of almost mini-landlord. People like merchants or shopkeepers were given large parts of the estate to run. This guaranteed the Wandersfords an income, but it was entirely unproductive. Land was sublet and continually broken up by these middlemen, which resulted in greater and greater poverty among the tenants. In the mines, an equally disastrous situation took hold. While the Wandersford family continued to sink mine shafts from the 1750s onwards, they now entered into contracts with individuals known as master colliers who agreed to operate the mines on a price paid per bucket of coal raised. The Wandersfords therefore had no involvement anymore in the actual mining process. Instead it was this person, the master collier, who oversaw the mine. 
he contracted a crew of miners who did the actual work. Now this was disastrously unproductive for the Wandersford family who saw their revenues collapse from around £10,000 per year to about £954 by 1825. While this may be because the master colliers were skimming off their share, those doing the mining saw little of the wealth generated from their difficult hard work. Indeed, the master colliers, while often local men, were no better than the Wandersfords. If anything, they appear from the pages of history as something of a truly Dickensian overlord. They often paid the miners in tokens which could be redeemed in certain shops in Castlecomer, but only for goods that were well overpriced. This system kept the colliers in almost a feudal servitude, where they swapped one overlord in Wandersford for another in the master colliers. A visitor in the 1820s described the master collier as persons who kept shops, who doled out pittance to these poor people, kept long accounts with them unsettled for a long period, got them into debt and so in the greatest misery. Five decades after the master collier system had been introduced, William Tye, a visitor in the early 19th century, observed that the miners were in appearance the most wretched persons in the whole country. They had a paleness of complexion from lives spent underground, while their houses had neither chimneys nor windows. Although the wages paid by the master colliers were higher than farm labourers' wages, Tye noted that it was often squandered on whisky. Alcoholism in the coal field was high and life expectancy low. The historian William Nolan has said of this alcoholism that it was the only means of enlivening a short and squalid existence replete with sickness and hardship. For the mining community, the master collier system was a disaster and if anything, it just made relations in the community even more complex. The miners no longer had any direct involvement with the owner of the mines but instead now worked for a middleman who was a local and potentially even might have come from a background not too dissimilar from their own. This muddied the waters when conflict arose. This situation led to very unusual alliances when social upheaval broke out in the coal field and it was often difficult to see who was right and who was wrong. This could be seen all too well when the first great strike broke out in Castlecomer in the 1830s. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Recently, I had a minor argument with a close friend that brought up things from my past that I really needed to get off my chest. I think we've all been there. Now, I found therapy a really great way to work through these issues. For me, I really like online therapy. And BetterHelp is a really great online service that allows you to make space for therapy no matter how busy you are. 
BetterHelp is convenient, affordable, and gives you the support you need, but also works around your schedule. It's really easy to get up and running with a therapist on BetterHelp. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. You can do your sessions by text, phone, or video call, whichever suits you best. It's all about flexibility, working around your schedule. At the moment, BetterHelp are offering listeners to the show 10% off their first month. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash irishhistory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash irishhistory. The middleman system of master colliers brought in in the 1750s had proven to be disastrous since its inception. The mines seemed to be hemorrhaging money and the Wandersford family were not getting anything like they once had. And by the 1820s, they sought to take back direct control of their operations from the master colliers. Their plan was to rationalise the entire coal mining operation in Castlecomer, end the system of numerous small pits and instead focus their energies entirely on a few much deeper mines. This was based on innovation in mining that had come from the north of England at places like the famous pits of Jarrow. However, these proposed changes were hugely controversial in Castlecomer and led to the first recorded major wave of violence in the coal field. The attempts to change the mines began in 1825, when managers, overseers and some miners were enticed to move from Jarrow, that famous coal field in the north of England, where deep mining techniques had been developed. However, they faced widespread opposition from the master colliers, who were about to be cut out of the process entirely. They also faced opposition from the miners, who worked the pits. According to the Wandersford agents, this was because work in the deeper pits, while it was safer, was more difficult and the older colliers simply weren't able for it. In a world where there was no social welfare, unemployment for people like this was terrifying. The first major resistance, however, appears to have come from the master colliers themselves. In 1832, one of Wandersford's agents in Castlecomer, Thomas Birmingham, appeared before a select committee in the House of Commons in England and recalled what had happened when he attempted to bring in the changes into the coal field. The master colliers had induced the people to join them as much as they could against me, so much so as to endanger my life at one point. The numbers collected around me were some thousands, and they attempted or showed me every desire to throw me into a pit, and had a coffin prepared for me. Whether they really intended to do it or not, I cannot say. On that occasion, Birmingham, a man who must have had nerves of steel, met with a delegation of miners. He was able to convince these men who did the actual work in the mine that the new works would be better for them and that his payment system was an improvement on what the master colliers offered. It also appears that around this time the first deep mine was sunk in Castlecomer and was called after the famous deep pit in England, the Jarrow No. 1. However, tensions over the restructuring was far from over. In 1831, the coal field erupted in violence again. This was accelerated by wider conditions across Ireland, which were becoming increasingly unstable. The potato crop, the staple food for the vast majority, including the miners, was poor that year, while the price of grain was falling. A fall in the price of grain had the potential to upset the balance of rural life, as landlords, and indeed farmers alike, sought to turn land, often used for crops, including potatoes, over to more profitable cattle herds. This meant eviction for the poor, who only had small plots of land, 
and naturally this increased tension and fear in wider society. Ordinary people organised into secret society to oppose the worst impacts of these changes. These clandestine groups swore oaths binding each other to silence and secrecy and committed to defend what were local customs by any means necessary. While they often did protect the poor, perhaps against events like eviction, they were at times deeply sectarian and often extremely violent. In one particularly notorious incident, a secret society in Louth executed eight people, including an eight-month-old child. It was in this wider context, as their own lives were being made more and more difficult by the wider economic conditions, that the Colliers and Castlecomer formed into what was called a combination. That's a primitive form of trade union, which in Castlecomer seems to have had aspects of a secret society as well, as we shall see. This was a very significant development, and soon the miners were on strike. Sadly, their demands do not survive. All we have is a statement that a mine manager would not permit the workmen under his direction to impose on his employers. The issue at heart seems to have revolved somehow around the new deep mining system as these operations were boycotted during the upheaval. The strike led to increasing tensions and the coalfield reached fever pitch in March 1832 when local secret societies entered the fray. It was one of the new mine managers, a Mr Potts, that bore the brunt of this. Indeed, by March that year, he and other managers had to be accompanied by security known as rangers. As he left a mining operation in the coalfield on March 14th, 1832, Potts was followed by four men. They caught up with the manager and isolated him from his guard. According to one report, he was held down and one of the men shot him through the eye. While the unrest over Wandersford's attempt to take back control may initially have been provoked by the master colliers, it does seem by 1831 to 1832 there were other grievances at play as these mine managers were deeply hated by all in society. For example, over a dozen people saw this Mr Potts being murdered and not one lifted a finger to intervene. Afterwards, the Marquis of Ormond, in a letter to the Lord Lieutenant of Ireland, stated that no one would help the authorities to find the killers. It took them seven years and eventually one man, Edward Delaney, was executed for his role in the attack in 1839, but many believed he was actually innocent. While refusing to help the authorities had a deep history in Ireland, there was further evidence that Potts was a really hated guy. Within a year of his murder, the Leinster Express was reporting a song being sung in the Castlecomer coalfield celebrating his murder, which included the lines, When at hell then Potts arrived, the gates for him flew open wide, You're welcome, Potts, the devils all cried, surrounding him with blazes. This conflict over the conditions in the coalfield continued, leading to some pretty disturbing scenes. In June 1832, an armed party attacked the house of a colliery guard, John Kelly. He was absent, but his sister was home at the time, and she was severely beaten by the group. We will never know exactly what the miners' demands were, but in the face of entrenched opposition from the Castlecomer community, there was little the Wandersford family could do, and they abandoned their attempts to restructure their mining operations. The master collier system, by and large, remained in place. However, the Wandersfords did have one card to play, and this was to stop any major investment in the collieries. This meant the mines continued on, as dangerous as ever. Indeed, while the miners' militancy had won the day and illustrated their power, they were themselves not really winners at all. If anything, in their strike of 1831 to 1832, they had essentially been doing the bidding of people whose interests were opposed to their own, that being the master colliers. Sadly, this resulted in further accidents. For example, in 1839, the inevitable occurred when a mine collapsed, killing four people and seriously injuring two. 
A few years later, in 1846, a 14-inch slab of stone fell in a mine, crushing a young miner called Hoban. Tragic as these accidents were for the community, an unforeseen, unparalleled disaster awaited them in 1845. Having attracted migrants from across Ireland and indeed further afield, the Castlecomer Coalfield was one of the most densely populated parts of rural Ireland by the 1840s. In 1845, the Great Famine took hold and what followed in its wake was devastating. When the Wandersford family responded, their actions were deeply controversial, to say the least. In the next episode, we will see what happened in the Castlecomer Coalfield during the famine and indeed beyond. If you want to get in touch about anything in today's show, you can contact me at history at irishhistorypodcast.ie. That email address is history at irishhistorypodcast, all one word, dot ie. Until next time, Sloan. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.